Welcome to Pudding Ain't Easy, Boba Fett Review. And today we're on episode three already. And I'm your host, Carl. And with me, as always, the Icarus to my Ajax. It's Scott McLeod, everybody. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Make me the boring bastard just because we're both having to be Scottish. And of course, <laughs> you've taken the Selma Hayek role, you absolute cretin. Yeah, but, you know, I'm killing myself off within 10 minutes of the podcast. And then you wait to two hours later in the podcast, you realise, no, I killed you. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So you might be able to tell that Carl has finally gotten round to watching the cinematic masterpiece that is The Eternals, or just Eternals, wherever you choose to go, which is now on Disney+. Plus. So, Carl, what is your summation of The Eternals? Well, for one, I'm glad I didn't shell out to go and watch it at the cinema. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, as you describe it to me, it, it's a film. It's not awful, but it's it's certainly not brilliant either it's uh it's a strange affair it really is and poor old richard madden he's he's as wooden as the cuprinol man <laughs> oh, he's more wooden than that table he accidentally smashes when he goes to visit <laughs> i can't even remember the name of the guy who builds all the tech for them like there's too many of these eternals to remember there's fucking 10 of the bastards uh, is it Gilgamesh? No, like, he's a fighter one, isn't he? Um, I can't remember now myself. Yeah, like, Jesus, the first Avengers film, you know, only had six people in the group. They didn't need ten, and yet these bastards, like, there's far too many of them. I mean, fair is one or two of them did get killed off. But, like, Gilgamesh, yeah, he got killed off, which, again, was one of the big down points of the film for me, because at that point, he was one of the few Eternals I liked. <laughs> And the trouble is as well, is it just me or so are some of their powers a bit shite as well? <laughs> the powers are all over the place. Like, Icarus is basically Superman. Uh, when you look at him, uh, he can fly and shoot stuff at his, his eyes. But then like they all go these powers like strength, you know, illusion, speed and shit like that, mind control. And then even some of my character can like heal people. And then Kirill Nanjiani's character, his whole thing is, oh, I can just shoot these tiny little blasts out of my fingers. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that does not seem like a, a very good um, power <laughs> to me. And um, you got the other one. Um, oh, what was that? Sprite. His power doesn't seem too bad, but she's stuck in the body of like uh, a 12-year-old, basically. Yeah, basically. Uh, 
Those who have Keanu and Jai's character, I can I can never remember I can never remember the name of his uh, eternal character, but to to me he was the best. And him and his little valley, who's going around filming him and everything, like they two, like they held it feel more like an MCAU film, also like his Keanu and Jai before this, you know, much like Paul Rudd and other actors before him, like he was the mostly mostly comedy actor who you know, like got brought into the MCU. And like these two were like the best in it for me, and then he buggers off before the climax of the film, just to say I don't want to get involved. Yeah, because he because he wants to be Switzerland, and he he pisses off. But yeah, <laughs> he's the only one who sort of brings any real sort of humour to proceedings. And I say, as you said, um, you're surprised how much you like Kit Harrington. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he. he he brought a bit more charisma to proceedings, but he's only in, he's only got about fifteen minutes of screen time. He's there at the beginning, and and then he vanishes until right and um, until the end. Yeah, but I don't mean to you know criticize Garanty as an actor because I'm not saying he's not good. He is uh, good as an actor, but when he's one of the more charismatic people in your film, you know you've made some mistakes casting wise. <laughs> Yeah, I think I didn't know anything about this because I didn't know anything about the Eternals. So I've relied on the internet for this, and the internet would never lie to me. Uh, <laughs> his character Dale, I can remember his name, but apparently, whole thing about his family, like the symbol on the on the ring that he gets given by Cersei at the start, and like his family history and the post-credits scene with the sword. I think he's made become a character called the Black Knight, who's one of these like, you know, lesser-known characters in the MCU. Who's got this like almost cursed sword that he gets from his uncle, who they keep who they reference occasionally. Uh, and talking about one of those post-credit scenes, uh, you hear a voice speaking to him off camera. Apparently, the director of the film confirmed that voice belongs to uh, Marsha Ali's blade. And it's a bit sort of um, cryptic, isn't it? You just hear a voice. I mean, I don't think his voice is well known enough for you to think, ah, that's who. That's who that is, you know. It's not like a an Ian McKellen or Brian Blessed or <laughs> um, <laughs> sort of voice that yeah, you, you, you know straight away if I'm making sense. So you know, I'm just very sure. I wish somehow they got Brian Blessed into this film. Just that this all screedy good guy who goes to the like, don't touch the sword. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't particularly think Angelina Jolie was t- that terrific in in the film. To be honest, I thought, really. Je- I thought I thought Gemma uh, Gemma Chan handled herself quite well, though. I, 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 I did like her character and portrayal. Really, I fucking didn't. <laughs> Which made <laughs> it more frustrating that her and Icarus got so much of a focus. Like their, you know, relationship was a big focus of the film. Like you gave the worst two actors out of the group. Like the most focused, like whose <laughs> whose idea was this? But uh, yeah, I stand. I'm with you with Richard Madden. Now I, I thought, yeah, he just like a the like a charisma free zone, basically. I, I know, Jesus. Like honestly, like the talk, the talk of him being the new James Bond. I'm like, oh God, no, please, <laughs> please no. <laughs> I'll, I was begging for the Eternals to to do a a, re, a, a rejig of the Red Wedding at, <laughs> uh, at, at one point. Uh, as we talk about Druig, the the character who can mind control people, 
I really thought for one of the few like comments I can give to the film, there's are good bits in it, despite what you might have heard us talk about so far. But it felt like for a good like the first half of the film, they were setting him up to betray everybody, like he was the baddie of the group. Like if anyone in the Eternals was going to turn out to be the bad guy, it was going to be him. Because he's got such a bad guy power with the whole mind control thing, but also the fact he's so in everybody's face, and honestly, they all collectively don't like him because of his attitude and how, like, you know, he sees things. And then the big twist is that Mr. Righteousness uh, accuses the baddie all along because he wants to go along with a plan that would end up killing everybody. And I thought it was a decent idea. I like, I like that as a twist and everything. But, like, my biggest issue with the Eternals is that it's two hours and 36 minutes long. That's far too fucking long for your first film. I don't care how many characters you're introducing. That is far too long because it leads to the biggest issue of the film in that, you know, you know, there's good stuff in there, but there's so much nothingness in between. Yeah, and um, not enough really happens to warrant such a long runtime either, really. They could have, they could have got more out and condensed things a bit more if they if they wanted to, to, to be fair. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Because, uh... like, the big part, part of the middle of the film is basically the Eternals go to a place, meet somebody, meet one of the other Eternals, flashback, reveal the person the truth, go to another Eternal, flashback, reveal them what they've already heard earlier on in the film. Because like, they do get this, like, big reveal after Ajax dies that, like, they were lied to about the whole purpose of why they came to Earth in the first place. And they're not the heroes that they thought they were, and everything, which is good. A big like bombshell to have. But then after that, they had to keep going and meeting other Eternals. They had to then repeat that information to them and get their reaction. Like, can you not just all meet in the one place and tell everybody at once? Yeah, no. And um, Ajax had been keeping it to herself. And well, her and Icarus, but well, before it was just to herself, but obviously Icarus knew as well. And she uh, passed the leadership over to um, Cersei, Gemma Chan's um, uh, character, and she just tells everybody. <laughs> yep. And then you got. Arsham, who's quite well realised in um, the special effects and that, this massive celestial bean, and he's like, don't fail me. She fails him, and he, he more or less lets them off. Well, I'll <laughs> let them live for now. <laughs> yeah, I may have to properly rewatch it, because I watched the first half, maybe the first half, uh, when it was on Disney+, because I, I, when I turned it off, on Disney+, it tells you how much is passed and how much is left in the film. It said it had an hour and ten minutes had passed. I looked at how much time was left. Obviously, <laughs> some of that, some of that has got to have to be credits and everything. But you got to watch the credits to get to the end credit scenes that they have put in. But there was like an hour and twenty six minutes left. I'm like, you could fit an entirely new movie in that runtime. Be <laughs> really good, couldn't you? Jesus Christ! Like again, that's one of the big issues. But like, I do like the idea that it is setting some stuff up. For the future of like, if the Eternals somehow get a sequel, and again, I'm not going to rush out opening day to see it. I'm kind of glad I didn't actually pay to go see it. My brother paid for the tickets, but still, uh, <laughs> I'm sure he regrets that. But like, I'm not going to rush out. But you know, please, please make it a lot shorter if you do do a fucking sequel because it does set up some good stuff like whatever Kit Harrington's character is doing with Blade in the future potentially. The thing with Celestials because I think 
when you see the size of these huge, I think Galactus is maybe a celestial. So is this a backdoor to bring in Gladys, which in turn also will help set up Fantastic Four and all that kind of stuff. But again, Icarus is still out there, which means he's going to come back. And I don't want to watch him anymore. I was kind of sad they didn't kill him off. <laughs> I thought they did, actually. Because he sort of flew himself into the sun and it looked like he disintegrated himself. I thought he just flew away. But No, uh, no, no. He flew, he flew into the sun. See, this is how Boar has got behind it. He didn't even pay proper attention. No, he, he flew into the sun and killed himself. Well, that, that's the impression I got anyway. You definitely see him fly into the sun. Yeah, because they do make a, a reference to the whole like story of Icarus and mm. how basically it was a story that Sprite had you know, made up when they lived in Athens because they've been on Earth for thousands and years of years and everything. But you know, I didn't. It's not yep. still not you know enough of a scene to me that he's not dead. <laughs> but he he made that story a, rela- a reality. But I'll, I'll be surprised if he's brought back because uh, I, I think he felt guilt over. You know, killing a a Jack and whatnot. He had in the space of one film, he had more turns than the flipping Big Show. <laughs> big Show was uh, really, I think the Big Show was a better fucking actor. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I go that far. Did you not see his program on Netflix? I did not know. You you don't want to trust me. I saw one. Ep- <laughs> I saw one episode and thought, yeah, that. That'll do me. I mean, he steals. He absolutely steals the show in Waterboy. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Richard Madden couldn't play Captain Cena with the same, you know, gusto that the big show did. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't now. <laughs> can I talk about the flashbacks? Because you know, I know some people had some complaints about how long that flashback took up episode two of Boba Fett, but Eternals. Takes a piss with these flashbacks at times because they do a, a you can call a flashback, it opens with them arriving to air, cuts to modern day, and then back to a flashback and everything. Uh, but the flashback where it cuts back to where they are you know, outside Babylon and it gets explored more of their relationships with each other, but that flashback goes on for quite a long time. My brother almost kind of fell asleep at that point because he was he was quite tired, he'd been working right, but he kind of closed his eyes for a second, but he was still aware of what was going on. Then he opens his eyes and he, turn, he nudges me and I went, what? And he went, is this flashback? Is this still a flashback? I went, yes. And they're a bit incoherent and not in any sort of particular order as well. I mean, one minute, yeah, way back in ancient Egypt and then they're even further back and then they're not as far back in time and it, it does seem a bit all over the shop. Uh-huh. But I think we mentioned one of the post credits. Let's talk about the other one. Where some of the Eternals uh, meet uh, a character called Eros, uh, who's revealed to be the brother of Thanos. And uh, he's coming through, he's in the shadows and he's walking towards them. And out of all the people, you could give me a hundred guesses as to who was going to walk out of these shadows and would be revealed to be playing this character. And Harry Styles would not have been my first guess, it would have been my 99th guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've been quite low down on my guesses as well. Um, the big Harry show would have been, the big show would have I would have guessed before Harry Styles. <laughs> you know, you got to get that teenage girl audience in 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 there somehow, um, Scott. <laughs> I was going to say, who did what members of 
Between their mum and dad, who did he take after to not look at all like Thanos, to be fair? <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't know if seen his, he and Thanos don't look alike, but still. Uh, uh, to be fair, though, I'm, I'm not going to judge him based on one post-credit scene you know, as this character. But, you know, I will say, he was ve- he was in Dunkirk, and he was very good in Dunkirk, if anyone hasn't seen it. Yeah, he, in, in say, two minutes of screen time, he brought more charisma than uh, Richard Madden did in a whole two hours and 36 minutes. I will give him that. And also, his little uh, my pixie or leprechaun sidekick pit played by Peyton Oswald. Mm-hmm. He's always good. Who helped predict the, uh, the beginning of Book of Both, as we said in a lot of episodes. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. You know anything else you want to say about the Eternals? Because I feel like you know I'm I feel like I'm fairly truly I feel better now having vented finally about this film. Well, yeah, I, I did have a major disappointment, as uh, <laughs> Scott will know. I mean, I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'll, I'll enjoy this. Sam Hayekin, one of my schoolboy crushes back in the day, still looks nice nowadays. Not a bad actress, and then yeah, like twenty minutes in. She's brown bread and just pops up in a few flashback scenes. I even text Scott, dead already. <laughs> I know, I got the occasional update from a uh, girl and he went, fucking, she's fucking dead already, like 30 minutes in. <laughs> and, and it was, like, and the trailer's kind of lured you in there because one of the flashback scenes that comes before she dies is shown in the trailer. So, which you talking to Icarus about, like, what's about to happen, the big event that they're trying to stop and Icarus is trying to make sure that goes ahead which is why he's the villain but like I remember watching that bit where she died I'm like huh what about that scene in the trailers <laughs> so one of the few things that kept me you know intrigued in any way for this and also the deviants were a bit rubbish they were all built up in the trailers and what got about 15 minutes of screen time perhaps yeah for the most part they're like generic CGI like monsters and there was that one main uh like a, a deviant that was like absorbing their powers and everything they go ahead and speak about he, he was fine he was voiced by apparently bill skarsgård who mm. played pennywise in the the reboot of it and he's very good in that as well uh so he was good but other than that yeah the deviants didn't really add anything like the deviants were built up as the main threat in the trailer but i think then the reveal is like the real threat is icarus and I think that's fair enough because we build these guys up as like basically godlike creatures, and him, him being one of the more powerful ones, having what having the main threat being one of their own is actually the best way he probably could have went. Yeah, he was one of the few who, had, who actually had decent powers. To be fair, and a little bit Neil Nanjani's character uh, Kingo, I just thought that his name was. Uh, I. I when I joked about how shit his powers were, is it any wonder when he makes a film that the Eternals, you know, a Bollywood film, he makes it, he has himself play Icarus so he can be, <laughs> play an actual yeah. more powerful character. Uh, and he shows how he's managed to stay a leading man the years by showing the trails. Like, he's basically pretending to be his own family. That's, that's film blows That's my great-grandfather, great-grandfather, grandfather, father. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my... Actually, my favourite scenes of the film when he's doing his little Bollywood uh, <laughs> segment, I must admit. And the bit with him and uh, Drew Peter Jones, like, ah, yes, Kingo, the movie star. I've directed some things as well. 
also, Drew Grace Lee, the actor who plays him, uh, is like keeping like, his Irish accent in it, but it felt, felt like in some of the flashback scenes at the start of the film that he was almost going for a bit of American in there as well. So it's for the first half hour before he's I, he probably just sticks to the Irish accent. I couldn't tell if he was meant to be Irish or not. So I'm sitting there for the first half hour. Whenever he speaks, I'm just like, pick a fucking accent and stick with it, you bastard. <clears throat> well, maybe, you know, he didn't go to Ireland right away. So <laughs> you know, he just liked the Irish accent and decided to keep it after being there for a while. Who knows? Yeah, Kingo yeah, and his family, they were the two funniest ones out of us. Like, because um, he's going around with different cameras filming, like during a fight scene, and he just blows up a uh, TV and goes, Did you get that? I did, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and reveals, like, also, he's like, Oh, he's been with me for 50 years. He actually thought I was a vampire and tried to drive a stick through my hair. I have apologized many times, sir. Yeah, not quite enough. No, and there's also like a bit of a weird subplot um, with Angelina Jolie's character sort of going a bit sort of mental and attacking everybody that doesn't really seem to go anywhere either, to be to be honest. I think it helped play into like the big reveal about like, they thought they were from this like planet and they were saying really on the divine mission, but like, no, they're just like creation, like there's Eternals created all over the place and they all like share memories, but obviously these guys aren't meant to remember what the other Eternals have, have done. So, but like she's one of the only ones that does. So obviously on the surface it looks like she's just gone a bit mental, but really she's basically stumbled upon what they're what they truly are before anyone else did. So in that sense, it, in that sense it did help, but obviously later on if someone's Gilgamesh is kind of killed off, it doesn't really go anywhere. She has that fight with a a deviant in a cave, but other than that, it doesn't really. Get a result if she's still suffering from that or not. Yeah, I mean, they could have done that whole sort of reveal thing about all that, to be honest, and shaved uh, another five to ten minutes off the runtime, but there you go. Yeah, there you go. At least, at least now we've, done, we've went from ten to eight, at least, so hopefully the, any Eternal sequels, the runtimes will hopefully be at least half an hour shorter, you're hoping. Huh. Well, just don't make one. Yeah, or just you know, don't make one. You know, we've gotten all on fine without another Hulk film. He still has his role in the the MCU. Maybe don't rush that an Eternal sequel. Exactly. So on to um, Moon Knight. Um, uh, sorry, Carl. I say uh, I got caught off. I forgot to mention. Uh, eventually, I'll be interested to see where this ranks when I eventually do my Marvel rankings. But I will mention that on Metacritic, Eternals has got fifty two percent. IMDb rating of 6.6 out of 10 and a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes and and on Rotten Tomatoes it's it's rated lower than Thor the Dark World. That's not a good omen, is it? Let's be honest. Oh, and weirdly I'd put this above Thor the Dark World but it wouldn't be that far. Mm, I'm not too sure. I mean, if uh, some hair had been in it a bit longer it might have done better but it, for me. He died, Carl. Get over it. <laughs> never! She's never coming back. <laughs> but yeah, midnight. So what are your first impressions of this? It's one of the sort of lesser known um, Marvel heroes. It's not one I've, I know a lot about until I sort of heard this was in the works, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, how about yourself? Yeah, it's very similar. I think I've 
rely on people who knew a bit more about this when I heard this was getting announced. Like, I'd heard it was like something that they, like, a lot of comic fans who did know about it wanted to see it get adapted in some way. And given, like, the weird, like, details about his backstory, I'm glad they're kind of doing a, a TV series rather than, you know, a movie about it because either, like, even if you did it stretched out to Lies of Near Eternal's length, uh, he'd probably still miss some details, so I'm interested to see what it looks like when it actually like, airs. Yeah, yeah, it should be um, an interesting show, certainly. Sort of, for me, it doesn't really know much about this hero, so I'm not sure how sort of into it I'm going to be or not. I'll have to give it a few episodes and and see what I think, but it's got Oscar Isaacs in it. He's He's normally good, apart from uh, when he's been Apocalypse. Yeah, who made Apocalypse look like bloody Ivan Ooze from the Power Rangers movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, because also, I mentioned before when we first talked about it being announced, like there was the main detail about it was getting these powers kind of fucked with his mind and he has this almost multiple personality kind of thing. And we see a bit of that in the trailer where you go between Moon Knight, who's just very violent. Uh, this guy's Stevie or whatever, and his real name is Mark. Dude, Mark maybe is like rich guy or think or whatever, but he's going between the two and he doesn't remember, like going between cousins and him not know if he's really done something or if it's like a dream. Like he wakes up and he's tied himself to his own bed to make sure he doesn't do anything while he thinks he's sleeping, or you know where he's in a he's in he's on the middle of a road with a gun in his hand and he almost has a like moment where he doesn't remember like where the fuck did I get here and why am I holding a gun. Yeah, it's uh, quite an interesting concept from that standpoint. As you say, it sort of opens up and he says, um, I'm, I can't sleep and I'm finding it hard to to, to know what's dreams and, and what's reality. Yeah. And um, it looks like some of it's, uh, certainly some of the early part of it is going to be set in London and then it looks like he's in Egypt parts of it as well you see the pyramids and stuff so maybe that's where he comes across um these powers mm-hmm. um that he gets to be moon knight i mean i don't know i mean people who people who know about this are probably thinking what is he fucking talking about <laughs> <laughs> i don't know even with this extra two minutes of like footage and getting to hear him talk his accent's still not growing on me in this series oscar isaac's you know, he looks like he's coming from the same area of England as Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you got uh, Ethan Hawke as this, like, cult leader kind of villain who he claims he's, like, taking inspiration from, like, real-life cult leaders for this part, like David Koresh and people like that. And I'm, so I'm wondering if he, if Midnight goes to him to help try and see if he has answers and helps him, like, control the voices and everything that he's going through. Because you see the scene between the two, and he says, "You've got, you've got chaos inside of you." Yeah, yeah. Um, it's good to see Ethan Hawke in, in something actually of this elk. I, I quite like him as an actor. Mm-hmm. So um, that looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. The whole cult thing that that's all. That's always. Uh, can be well, not always, but it can be an intriguing angle if uh, if he's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the whole like, vibe of the trailer and everything makes it seem like I think they can maybe get away with it on Disney Plus. It's going to be a bit darker than what we're used to 
and get a like more trippy with the whole like, is this is this real? Is this not? Is this in a is this one of his dreams or is, did he really do that? And uh, I haven't gone through these different people in his head. Uh, feel like there's that scene in the the trailer where he looks like a creature's coming for him in the elevator and he curves down. So there just be an old woman and he says he explains himself being on the floor like uh, I'm looking for a contact lens. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, I hope you find it. <laughs> That's what I was cool. uh, the ending shot of the trailer where he's diving over the rooftop and it fades into the Disney Plus like logo. Mm, that's quite cool. I like, yeah, I like that. I couldn't help thinking though when I saw the costume, he's, he's going to have a, he's going to need a lot of Daz and Ariel on standby <laughs> to keep that clean. I know, like you know, Deadpool wore red because he knew it would, the blood would blend and it would be noticeable. <laughs> you, you've got the opposite issue here. Yeah, guess blood on that. It's never watching out. Yeah, that's going to be a permanent stain. <laughs> but. Uh, it says March 30th is when it's going to like debut on Disney Plus. And I should mention, obviously, they, no, they don't like they do like waiting like very small periods between like new Star Wars or Marvel shows going on. I've worked out with seven episodes of Boba Fett. The last episode of Boba Fett will air Wednesday, the 9th of February. So, and if nothing airs between that and midnight, that'd be like almost six weeks without anything new from either. Like Marvel or Star Wars uh, on Disney Plus, which would be strange, you know. I mean, we talk about like I'm not only waiting a week or so, but only six weeks. We'd be sitting here like just like we've been because uh, I did. We'd be like addicts, kind of just frantically shaking around, like got any more of that Marvel or any more of that Star Wars? A little bit. What are we gonna do for six weeks? You're gonna have to watch The Witcher, Scott. I <laughs> was good. I was gonna get like, oh, don't force me to watch it, but I say I don't, I don't have any opinions on it really. So I can't. It's really good. It's really good. All right, all right. I'll take your word for it. I don't have any opinions on it, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's but... better than the bloody Eternals. I'll, I'll tell you that for nothing. That is not. That is not. Good. That is not our measuring stick right here because <laughs> it's the Eternals, and there's most other things above it. But I will see, as I mentioned earlier, Eternal length will be why I now refer to stuff that goes on for too long. That's perhaps why it's called The Eternals, because it felt like it was going on for an eternity. Boom. Go off here, everybody. That's why you get paid. I'm here here all day, (laughs) unfortunately. Is that what you said when you put The Eternals on? (laughs) You also mentioned when we said uh, last thing, where I said there was also the theory that maybe... Uh, Obi-Wan would uh, debut on May the 4th. If that was the case, there are six episodes of uh, of Moon Knight planned. If they wanted to have Obi-Wan come out right after right after Moon Knight, they'd have to actually air the first two episodes on the, first, on the same day on March 30th in order to have uh, May the 4th be free for anything Star Wars related guess, similar to what they did with Hawkeye and Boba Fett. Hmm. We'll have to we'll have to see on that one. Honestly, yeah. you know, uh, two things at the same time, which they haven't done yet. But you never know. Yeah, I think so. Midnight is night. I think they've Marvel's confirmed that. I don't think we're actually getting Echo in twenty twenty two. It seems like uh, Marvel wise and as well, they're going to go to uh, She Hulk, What If season two, and. Miss Marvel are going to be the focus of the rest, like 2022. 
That's fair enough. Don't want to. They don't want to overdo it, and they've got mm-hmm. plenty of stuff coming out. And maybe it's Disney. You know, they can do what they want. Perhaps they'll just bolt on an extra couple of weeks on in March. Scott. Maybe. Yeah. Like, I think we. It's interesting now. Like last year, we got the first season of Bad Batch, and what if? And now we're being told in twenty twenty two we're getting like uh, season two of both of them. Like, I think it's interesting how like. Well, some of these shows also take a while to get put together, whereas these those shows are like animation, they can kind of maybe put them together a bit quicker. Maybe it depends. Sometimes they sort of subcontract some of the animated out to different studios and stuff, mm-hmm. don't they? Depend depending on what they're doing, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows indeed? But yeah, you know, it's hard to know what to really make of it. Want to. It was a bit like, oh, I'm wondering if it's going to be one of those series I mentioned to you before we recorded. Like, I mean, it's one of those shows that you might need an episode or two to fully understand what's going on and really get into it. Because, I don't know, as much as I loved it overall, and by the end of it, I was clamoring for more of it, the first two episodes of uh, One Division were not an easy thing for me to sit through. No, no, they were very bizarre, but done that way for a reason. But I was starting to wonder if this is like the concept that each show is just going to have them in a different sort of year of a sitcom for some bizarre reason but no it did sort of it did sort of make sense by the end of it yeah I mean episode 3 onwards that really uh, started picking up on one thing mm. you know like especially when it got further into the, the decades like you started actually recognising some of the like sitcom tropes like when they did the whole, when they had the kids they had the Malcolm Middle intro and one of the kids like doing the talking to the camera like Malcolm did in the show yeah it was quite well done actually I did enjoy stuff like that but uh, yeah have you got anything more you want to add to Moon Knight and nothing at the minute oh I do like I think we joked that it seems like but you've seen there has been some comparisons between Moon Knight and Batman and I do see some more of those and I look forward to when this comes out, everybody else making more comparisons between this and, and Batman. Well, I mean, DC and Marvel have famously ripped each other off with various characters over the years. So, you know, it's um, not surprising that comparisons will be made. Yeah. But uh, I think that's all I've got for, for Midnight. I don't think there's any, more, there's any more I can really see. I mean, I guess they're all we got is like two minutes. Mm. In the- yeah, same with me, and I know F all about this particular superhero, so I, I don't really want to delve into it too much because I don't know anything. That's fair. But yeah, on to the show at hand. Um, uh, Boba Fett episode three. It did have a name, which I should have written down, but I never did. What was it actually called? Scott, you'll remember. Uh, the Streets of Moss Espa. That's it. That is it. <laughs> no, I could have said anything. You would probably would have believed me. I probably would have, to be <laughs> honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. Good. Okay, just said chapter three. We're they're glad. We're glad they killed <laughs> off Selma Hayek. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have believed that. <laughs> but I'm such a trusting person. <laughs> you're Scottish, Scott. Yeah, you're not that trusting. Oh, 
dare you? <laughs> and I'm able, able to express how offended I am. I'm able to express emotion, unlike Richard Madden. <laughs> ooh, ooh, that is harsh. Oh, he, he, he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> He's living on that Marvel money now. Yeah, and even if he did, we wouldn't be able to tell anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Boba Fett. It's only been 35 minutes in. Exactly. But actually, this was one the, this has probably been the most enjoyable episode uh, so far. And um, quite good the way it opens. We get a bit of a, a recap on the sort of um, structure of how um, they the, the the sort of um, criminal sort of underworld stuff has been sort of organised and run since Jabba the Hutt was eliminated. I always forget the guy who took over who took over his name, um, but it looked hey, like Ed, it was Ed Fortuna. It looked like it had been split up by. Three different parties, and they were buying off the the mayor or something. By the signs of it, to sort of let everything happen. Yeah, uh, I think it was a case of like he didn't have the same authority that Jabba had because before that, but had been kind of like an underling to him. So he's like made deals with these different families to acquire mm. different territories, and he was uh, like in the pockets of the the mayor and like paying him off as well. So the idea of like he needed to make these relationships in order to like um, like keep some sort of authority, but also Boba Fett having this reputation as a killer and a bounty hunter, like doesn't see himself like needing to do that, but he also does want people's respect. And I do like the fact that the droid, when he's explaining everything, he calls the event when which obviously looking that you know, helped kill Jabba, he reverses as the sail barge disaster. <laughs> And uh, yeah, he, he doesn't want to mention Jabba the Hutt's <laughs> by name to um, disrespect uh, Boba Fett. But <laughs> when, when he says, oh, I thought you'd feel threatened, he goes, no, I do feel disrespected. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting that they waited till like, episode three to explain how uh, everything's going to have been like, shaped up and... and uh, tattooing and everything since like Jabba died because I think man, this is maybe set after Mandalorian or like after the first two scenes of Mandalorian and Mandalorian season one was like five years after Return of the Jedi so Jabba's been dead for a long time so you would have thought day one Boba would have got this information from the droids yeah you would have thought so but you know perhaps that wasn't his priority yeah he's uh He's not exactly super efficient at, at this um, gangster lifestyle sort of thing, is he? Bless him. No, but, you know he, he, he's. He seems to be getting better as you know, the siege goes on. Because I agree with you, like this was probably my favorite episode so far. Uh, partly because like it went back down lengthwise, and the the flashback was shorter, but the flashback did. Like tied in with the the ending of last week's flashback, and like even though it was very short, it told uh, it gave you some important information for when it went back to the present. Yeah, yeah, it does. It it was probably about the right length, and it? it does make sense with uh, the episode and ties in with um, 
where the plot and that seems to be going. And he gets yeah. a visit. He gets a visit from one of his um, subjects, or whatever you want to call them. Who's got a bit of a complaint about some um, bikers stealing his wares, and his wares is water. He's a water monger. He deals in water, and he also tells Boba Fett that nobody respects you, and the the streets are chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'd be, I think it best to refer to him as a constituent of anything, because <laughs> <laughs> that, that gives, gives me the, the funny idea of like Boba Fett going around doors knocking door vote Boba Fett, <laughs> <laughs> and and going to number ten for parties. <laughs> Boba Fett always wears a mask, so he's following the rules. <laughs> but but yeah, uh, so. Um, Boba Fett and Fennec go and confront this uh, biker gang of youths. Um, from what I've seen on Twitter and various other social medias, they're quite a divisive addition to the Star Wars universe. Uh, what, what do you think of this gang? We've got um, like cybernetic enhancements and bright coloured motor, like well, like space vespers is the way I sort of describe them in my mind and they're sort of bright colors sort of stand out from the rest of the sort of star wars universe so maybe that's what's grating people the wrong way i'm not too sure i think it's more the the bikes that they ride is what's like put people off like yeah the vespers are weird like space mopeds as i would call them i think it's also the fact that they're multicolored and everything like, mm. which has given led way to some power rangers s comparisons which I had myself made as well, but I think it's almost kind of funny. Uh, I made that in a funny way. I don't let it get in the way of my enjoyment because I actually enjoyed that chase scene. Some oh, people yeah, compl- yeah. Some people did complain that the bikes seemed to be moving a bit slow in that scene, but like, even though they're on Disney Plus and like, uh, they've got a certain budget, I'm sure there's only so much they can do to make this chase scene look as good as it did. So I can I can forgive maybe the speed of the bikes, but like, the group themselves, like the characters, like I think the female of the group, that shot of her kind of pulling up her bike at the end of the chase was showing the trailer, so you knew she was going to be introduced eventually. So I did like the idea of him getting, trying to get into Ernie's respect and realising that the story that this guy told them is only really his point of view. And then when they realize, like, actually this guy, we stole it because this guy was charging you a month's wages for a week's worth of water. And everything you realise that they had basically had no other choice. So he brings them aboard, like, you know, work, come work for me. And everything, and I do like. I think you should have been able to tell that that guy was, you know, a bit suspicious. There was more to his story because, you know, he seemed to be clearly like, oh, you know, no one respects you, but I am. I clearly respect you, and like, if you would do this job for me, I will give you double the tribute and everything. I'm disrespect on your behalf, like clearly trying to suck up to Boba Fett. Yeah, and he said they are with like. 12,000 or something, and he gives, he goes, here's 500, and consider the matter closed. Yeah, he's like saying, like, consider, like, changing your rates, and if you don't like it, you can try moving to Moss Eisley, do your business elsewhere. Yeah, so he does take the money and scamper off. It doesn't look super happy, but uh, it's tough shite. Yeah, again, it's Boba showing his way of doing things where he finds a solution without having to kill anybody. And the guy does get paid, even though it wasn't mostly what he asked for. But like this group, I mean, I can't really judge them based on this episode because I enjoyed the chase scene. Uh, 
and they've not done much in terms of dialogue for me to really judge them and based on how good actors this group are, but I like them and for this for, for the first introduction I thought they were a good fit so far and Boba does need to start building a team seemingly as the events of this episode show. Yeah, I, I like them as well, especially the the girl who seems to be like the leader of the group as um, sort of Boba Fett sort of points out, you know, she's she's got spirit and um, she's not scared. And he sort of says, I hope you can fight as as well as uh, you talk sort of thing. So, um, yeah. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I can see why perhaps people don't like the the bikes so much. I mean, everything else we've always seen as Star Star Wars always it's quite gritty and and worn and sort of more sort of blander colours and these look like shiny, new and bright. So they do sort of stand out. Maybe that's what they were going for. I think there are like groups are like uh, from like the seventies and eighties that would have driven like multicoloured kind of bike like Vespa mm. or and so maybe there was maybe an intentional kind of nod to that because technically in the world of Star Wars it is still the 80s because it's fallen on from Return of the Jedi which came out in the early 80s. <laughs> in a, in, a, in a, a sort of sense, you know. I know you're getting that, yeah. But no, I mean, not everything needs to be old and, and rickety. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's nice to go for a, a slightly different aesthetic, I think. But there yeah. you go. Time will time will tell, and I think it's after this we go we go into the flashback sequence again, don't we? Yeah. Um, he's riding some sort of big sort of mammoth-looking creature, which I imagine Scott knows the name the name of. Yeah, and he's going to do business with the Pikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should mention we do get a brief shot of like when he goes to the tank. Uh, we do see a shot of him in Camino where he does that thing where he runs yes. along the window as his dad leaving, which we saw in his big, like, trippy dream sequence in the same episode. We get that, and then it goes into Tatooine, which I remember when I was watching, I thought, oh, God, another flashback. How long is this going to take up? Ooh, because then I think Camino, like, oh, this is something different. And then it went back into, and then it went back into, uh, I'm on Tatooine with, right in the, I think we called Banthas. Which I didn't know. Apparently, I don't know how they do it in this. Like, I think I'm sure it's all CGI or practical effects now. But apparently, in the original trilogy, when you saw a bantha, it was an elephant with a wig on it. <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I don't think until Boba Fett we'd seen the Pikes outside the animated series, have we? Uh, I think like we talked about the, sp- the space mains of Kessel, which are featured in. Uh, in Solo, but I don't know if you see the Pikes in that film. I mean, I've, I've only watched Solo once and I didn't enjoy it, so if they do appear in that, I'm sorry, but I do remember they did appear. We saw them in Bad Batch and they were in uh, Clone Wars as well, so it is a rare appearance outside of animation for the Pikes, and for the most part, they look just as good as they did, you know, like, the way they've, like, made them look seemingly without using mm. CGI on them, they, they look pretty good. But, um, let's say from watching them in the bad you know bad batch uh clone wasn't um mentioned more they're, they're always talked about uh a group that you don't really want to mess with or get on the wrong side of the they are known to be quite ruthless yeah if you like 
is that like if you if you have a deal with them and, and you don't follow through on it then obviously it's not going to work out for you I did like some small details as he's riding into town I saw him talk to some jailers I thought he was going to ask them about the armour they got nicked off but apparently not yeah 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 I did as well actually there's <laughs> uh, some uh, spikes with uh, sword river helmets on which I think is also we see that in an episode of Mandalorian season one mm. and uh, you can see in the background a day around it you actually see uh, that woman Pelimoto who helped Mando like fix his ship and she's the one who put him in touch with that frog woman and Mando see her walking by with her troop with her like worker droids although if you zoom in on it you can tell it's not the same actress it's just someone who looks like her it's just a case of like oh look it's that person you briefly recognise Actually, I didn't notice that myself, but that's a nice little touch. I suppose it's to show <laughs> that the the two universes are linked. So, yeah. uh, so that's like a, a cool touch. And yeah, he, he tells the 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 doorman he's got business with the pikes, and um, the the pikes sort of admits that um, paying protection money—that's you know standard business affair in in their sort of line of work but he's already had to pay um to someone else and he doesn't want to pay again to the tuscan sun people um you know feels like they've been taken advantage of i think we're led to believe it's that sort of um speed biker pirate gang yeah people that um have already charged him so he, he assures um, the Pike bloke that um, he, he, you know, this will be dealt with, and you, you won't hear from those again. And he um, journeys back to where his Tuscan Sand people are, and unfortunately, while he's been away, that they've all been slaughtered. Hmm. Yeah, I think the group are called the the Kintan Striders, from what I remember in this episode. That's what they're referred to as by the the Pike guy. The, the group that Leslie were painting that symbol in the first episode and then yeah he stole their speeder bikes for the big train robbery in uh, the second episode uh, so obviously they, they already have a working relationship so they don't want to pay two groups so uh, Simboba wants to lead the Tuscans to them basically force them to you know stop working with the pikes so they can take advantage of it but obviously these guys are probably still annoyed from Boba stealing their stealing their bikes in the previous episode so unfortunately the uh the raiders kind of paid the price for it and a scene which I've heard some people comment online like even though you don't see them die you see their aftermath of it some people thought the scene was a bit too gratuitous which I don't agree with no it seemed far worse yeah like I did it kind of feel like like intentionally that they were like being nod to like when Luke comes back to the farm and his aunt and uncle have been murdered or like when even the fact that the kids and the driving kill like when Anakin Talks about how he killed the Tuskers. Like I killed them all, the men, the women, even the children. Yeah, it's uh, pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like so, Bob Wilson pays respect by like burning them. As and Dexter is angry at me. Mentioned that like no, don't mention Attack of the Clones. It's the worst one. I'm sorry, Dexter. <laughs> sorry. Jesus, that boy is very sensitive about his Star Wars. So. <laughs> Good job he wasn't there when we were talking about Eternals. <laughs> but uh, I do hope that, like the like I know we're probably going to see a bit more flashback wise in the next few episodes. I hope we see like what he did after that. Like if he went after this group to try and get some revenge on them or what else? Because like when he got on that because uh, when he got on the uh, the Bantha to go meet with the Pikes, he looked very much. This is the kind of the Boba that we meet 
like in Mando season two. Yeah, definitely. And he seemed to seem to have grown quite attached to his um Tuscan Sand people hosts and slash friends as well, hadn't he? So I imagine we will see him go um go after them for revenge uh, at some point. But uh, just as you think um, this is going to be another episode-long flashback, it ends quite suddenly, and we see him sort of thrashing about in his um, Bacter tank. It opens up, and there's cast on the um, Wookiee bounty hunter, (laughs) and he throws him out of the out of the tank and they start having a bit of a fight but Bubba felt unfortunately without his armour, any weapons and practically naked is uh, <laughs> pretty much a completely outmatched by his much bigger and stronger uh, opponent. Yeah, because like, I remember again with a mix of uh, thoughts at the one time with this scene because obviously you can see that the flashback is in I thought like in the middle, we're thinking, ah, oh, good, going back to the main story, the flashback's not going to take out a whole, oh, fucking hell, he's, because <laughs> he, like, it's almost like a jump scare, like, cause, like you see him, yeah. and then all of a sudden, he, then it opens, and it's like, you see him, like, roaring right down the camera at you, and obviously, he's probably interrupted, he said, so he's not fully healed, and he said he's been taken by surprise without any weapons, and so he's just throwing them all about the room, and he's trying to reach for something, but he's got these, like, electrified bloody brass knuckles and everything, yeah, if he's not bad enough and strong enough on his own, yeah, he's got these flipping, as you say, like electrified brass knucks as well. I know. Like, and, he's so, and he is showing that he is capable on his own because he's like giving them this bear hug. You can hear like these, these bones about his break before like, he gets some help from that gang you recruited earlier. But the question I'm wondering, like, he's got that gang, Fennec, the droid, and those two like big guards. How the fuck did this big fucker sneak into the palace without anybody noticing? Like, because I don't know if you've seen a wiki before. They're not small creatures. You know, you, if one walks by you, you tend to notice. He must have gone for some sort of ninja training, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it does show a bit, quite you know, quite a bit of intelligence that he he picked. Um, you know, the time where. Bubba would be most vulnerable to attack him. So yeah. um, if it wasn't for his backup of his biker crew, he he might have been uh, killed. But luckily, they they show their worth in this um, in uh, in this scene. You know, not backing down from the Wookiee. Um, you know, showing that they're more more than capable fighters themselves. Yeah, I think Kristen uh, shows his capabilities as well. Because like even with them all like poking them with like electrified like weapons each, and then the guards getting involved, he still for a brief while still manages to hold his own. Does even go down? And one of my favourite scenes this whole fight is when he's brawling with the guards, and he tries to bite into one of them, and they both go tumbling down the stairs. And like even when they try and like send them down to the rancor, but he still manages to hold on. And it takes Phoenix and throwing a knife into his hand from a finally drop. Yeah, they were quite fortunate. He he ended up when he um, rolled down um, into the next room that he ended up right on the trap door, thankfully. And when mm-hmm. just pulls a lever and as you say, he doesn't quite drop down. He manages to hold his own until she throws like a little knife thing at him. So they've got him captive down, down there. And um, the next scene, there's 
it's Felix Jan and Boba Fett having a bit of a banquet. <laughs> Quite a lot of different food there. So, you know, the, enjoying the, the spoils of um, their labours, I suppose. Yeah, like he's not in the mood to but she's just sitting their feet up. Yeah. Up face, like, oh, you know, you can tell that you survived an assassination attempt and everything. And it seems obvious, and it's revealed later on that, yeah, it was the huts that sent them to kill him. I do like it shows how badass uh, Kristan is that even though the knife and he, he can't cause any loose in his grip, he looks up from the, the pit after he's been dropped in and he's growling off at them with the knife still sticking out of his hand. Like he's not even selling the pain of it. <laughs> yeah, like a like a, a true top tier wrestler. He's not selling anything. <laughs> you got to keep the big man protected. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, he's he's saying you know he's going to have to react. Everyone's going to be watching him, waiting to see him make the next move. But um, word obviously gets around quick in the underworld because um, Boba, um, not Boba, the um, Hot Twins are already there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they basically, uh, basically yeah, we sent them to kill you. They're bad. Sorry about but, that. Sorry, but you know, we've got we bought you yeah, a present and we got a, a rancor for him. Uh, still, still no idea if this is Moochie or not. Sorry, sorry, Scott. So, um, you know, I was hoping they might say it's Moochie to so you could sleep at night knowing, <laughs> you know, knowing what happened to Moochie, but you know. I think given the information they talk about how they've covered it, so so I can imprint the first person it sees. That tells me it's not Mucci. You know, Mucci, there's still hope for Mucci you know, in the extended Rancor universe. He's, he or she's out there somewhere. I can't remember Mucci's gender. No, I shouldn't not assume either. Um, um, it might be Annette. You know, might identify, might identify as a panther for all you know, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. But, but, but the Rancor's handler is Machete, of all people. Yeah, I was watching this like, uh, like I was, I'll say, I was watching this myself. But I was saying my thoughts of it out loud just to myself every so often. And one of them was when I looked over, like, what the fuck is Danny Trio doing here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he is, he, you know, he does collaborate with um, Robert Rodriguez quite a lot, and um, yeah. he obviously is directing this episode as as well as others. So it sort of makes sense that um, he would get him cast. Yeah, I didn't realise it was Rodriguez that directed at least one or two of the uh, Machete films, and I think they teased they were going to do a Machete in space, but never did. But he, Daitrio, did share four of them himself on set with, uh, with Mary Morrison, who plays Boba, said Machete finally made it to space. <laughs> <laughs> and also, he's given us like full explanation, like he's maybe the expert on uh, on Vancours and we're learning more about their backstory. Like, oh, yes, they're very emotionally complex creatures, you know, they imprint and they can form strong bonds with their owners and everything. But yeah, but but the, but the twins also allude to a war coming that they don't want any part of, so they're going to go back to their their home planet and uh, and leave um, Boba Fett to it. Yeah, and a lot of people seem to be a bit confused with the quick turnaround of them leaving uh I think they were maybe used as like a red turn because also they they did intend to try and kill Boba using the the Wookiee to 
like do their dirty work for them. But I think as soon as they realised that this other group who had clearly had bigger numbers was coming as promised by the mayor, they were promised that territory. And I'm assuming that like their the hot like stock is kind of dropped since Jabba died, so they realised like ah, it's not really worth just you know trying to fight over this. You no, know, really, really bit mostly dusty planet. Let's just go home and let these guys you no know, deal with them. They do try and warn Boba like. You, you don't want this fight, you're not prepared for it, it's best you leave as well. Yeah, and it looks like perhaps the mayor has been making, trying to make some underhanded dealings to try and um, gain a bit more power himself, perhaps. Yeah, I think even though he denies it, I think it's clear that it was him who maybe sent the uh, the assassins, or maybe the fight set a hand in it as well. He's doing fly that maybe someone else is at play not other than the mayor, and I think it's revealed to be the, the fights themselves. But I think it was a case of like they said also he was in the pocket of the Bev Fortuna was in the mayor's pocket, so clearly he made a deal like say to Bev Fortuna if anything should happen to you, the Pikes will rule this territory. But also the mayor didn't foresee Boba trying to come in and claim it for himself. Yeah, precisely. And um Boba and Fennec and again go and uh, see the mayor without an appointment. I mean, who do they think they are, Scott? I don't know, but I do like that. Uh, as you mentioned, I did also like that scene with uh, Boba and the Rancor, and they said they teased that he was wanting to learn how to ride it. So I'm hoping for a big fight scene on Tatooine in a couple of episodes time, just Boba flying in, shooting people while riding his Rancor, just like an absolute badass that he is, and uh, something that makes a Star Wars like myself smile is when he was talking about like learning to ride creatures and like this uh, Danny Trio's character says yeah, you know the witches of Dathomir used to use these creatures to ride and uh, for those who don't know Dathomir is a planet in Star Wars Universe which is the home of Dark Maul uh, as revealed in the Clone Wars cartoon so that made me smile like ah I feel like Steve Rogers in the first Avengers I get that, I understood that reference <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I got that reference as well. It was quite a, a nice little mention. And he also talks um, quite lovingly about the Rancor, doesn't he? Oh, it's a, it's a peaceful creature, really, and quite loving towards their owners. So um, they're not all just sort of scary beasties. I'm hoping eventually, if, like, someone, next time someone comes from in the palace, he's anyway dropped them and, like, uh, well, I tease that assassin with the threat of a rancor, but this time there was an actual rancor in here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking. There's nothing down here. Not, not falling for that again. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. They... But but ha! We got you again because it just wants a cuddle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So yeah, they, they like I said, they went to go see the mayor, but he's he's not there, and uh, the assistant goes behind the door and he locks it behind him, only to like try and basically run away from them, which leads to that big chase scene with uh, the gang going like all through the streets and everything. Uh, they even go through a big painting of Jabba. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do. They do make quite a mess when they sort of go for, when when. Uh, Chasing ends when they sort of crash through that grocery stand and <laughs> and everything. So I don't know if that's going to come out of um, you know, Boba Fett's uh, <laughs> pocket or not. Yeah, apparently they they picked the image of Jabba's palace. Now there was a like they took that from a piece of old Return of the Jedi concept art, but uh, but photoshopped a bit because originally it had Luke in there, but also they photoshopped Luke out of it. 
Oh, right. That's uh, interesting. I didn't know that. So that's pretty cool bit of information there, Scott. Thank you very much. I heard about it on Twitter, and Twitter is always honest. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it never lies. Of course. Wouldn't do that. Unlike <laughs> unlike the mayor who clearly lied about what he was up to. Oh, pretty much, pretty much. But, yeah, they sort of, after a, quite, quite a long chasing, really, they... Uh, apprehend the assistant mayor or whatever his title is and yeah he sort of um spills the beans mm-hmm. so basically the fakes have been dealing with the mayor just as a ship arrives with just quite a lot of pipes getting off of it so they've clearly got the numbers in their favor at the minute but so i'm assuming that the next episode we'll have that dinner scene of boba trying to form allies because as he said at the end of episode two, Ian, they're preparing to go to war over, you know, this no particular bit of territory that they, they both occupy. Yeah, um, we see quite a lot of pikes get off that um, space uh, spaceship, don't we? And even Fennec says that's just uh, that's just the beginning. There'll be a lot more. So they're they're obviously uh, strong in number. The the pikes. There's obviously a lot of them. There was a funny little scene where um, his man sort of is reporting that he's seen them land, and he goes, "Well, good. Keep keep your eye on them." And he's got an enhanced eye. He's like, uh, uh, "Sorry." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he goes, "Oh no, nothing to it. You know, I'm proud of this. You know, I did this myself. Everything." But again, what we what we what we know about the fakes and everything, the if they're not meant to be crossed, as the expanded universe would show like things like bad patch and that and also given that we got our like the a point of piece of information that like boba's came across the pikes in the past uh and you know, tried to do business with them but obviously uh, they've been promised this territory they're not going to be as openly doing business with them this time around yeah it's uh going to be quite interesting to see how this all develops and uh for me and scott we only have to wait another few hours because it's on tomorrow as we yeah. are recording on Tuesday. Yeah, I think we've gotten this thing. We started with Hawkeye, but I like the idea of, as the new episode's going up, the review of the past week's episode going out. So I'm going to try and keep that a thing as a, if I can, unless Nathan's got something to, uh, nothing else he and Ben want to ramble on about for an hour, about whatever, <laughs> whatever they talk about while not wearing clothes for some reason. It's <laughs> <laughs> been almost three years, lads. Put some clothes on. <laughs> yeah, especially in this weather. Catch your death. <laughs> but I do like the idea, given what this episode's like, like the ending of this episode was set up that you know, there's uh, four episodes left in the series, that the action is going to pick up more and the, the flashbacks are going to be fewer and far between. So, like, why are your complaints maybe in the first episode? There's the main storyline of Boba and President Day trying to take over this particular area is going to really start to escalate. Yeah. Hopefully we'll uh, yeah see each episode sort of get more and more sort of action packed and interesting, but it, it's it's chuckled along quite nicely so far. I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so Scott, um, anything else you want to add before we jump into our ratings? Uh, no, I think we can't cover it very well because like. Like you said, they, they took down the, the runtime a little bit and all of it was taken up by either that flashback or the 
the big chase scene, but they did add a lot to the story, which is why I think given it's the best one so far, I was almost going to go an eight and a half, but I think I might be a bit more generous, push it up to a nine for this episode. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll go for an eight and a half, actually. I, I did enjoy it, but it's still not quite reaching the heights for Mandalorian for me. Um, but do you think we might see Karastan again? Do you think he might sh- think he's likely to show up again in the series? I think it depends because, you know, like, given when they were filming this, I think that was around at the time that uh, Pedro Pascal might have been busy with other stuff because that's been said, like, his other projects, like, he's been involved in that Last of Us adaptation for HBO, mm. is why they're kind of pushing him back at the beginning of uh, filming for Mandalorian Season 3. And I think, even though they're, in, they're maybe in the same kind of universe, it would depend where they're what they're planning for season three of Mando if they want to bring him in. I mean, nothing said they can't do a cameo like towards the end of the series, but it's not something I'd like immediately hold my breath on. No, I, well, I'm more, I'm more meant in this series of um, Boba Fett, to be honest, wonder if he'll make it, because they just let him walk off, he was left alive, so I just wondered if he might come back and end up helping Boba Fett for sparing him or something. Maybe. But we shall see. Um, yeah, really, yeah, good episode so far. It's been a, a, you know, another terrific series by uh, by Disney. You don't seem to be putting much of a foot wrong so far when it comes to these um, series they're doing for their new streaming service. Yeah, and I did wonder, like, we were being defending a couple of things that people were criticising, but again, it's all a matter of opinion, and again, if you're if it, if it seems like we're you know, trying basically being shills for things that Marvel or Disney Plus or Star Wars are producing, I mean, one, they've got a decent track record, so you can very us for doing that. But we also did spend the first 20 minutes kind of ripping into Eternals, which is a Marvel and by association Disney product. And we're optimistic, cautiously of midnight, so it's not all gleaming praise, so shut up. Yeah, exactly. And they're not paying us any money either, unfortunately. Yeah. If they were, then different story, but still. Yeah, if they were, we re-edit it. Eternals is the best thing ever. That Icarus twist, my God, is one of the biggest twists since the sixth sense. Britain has medicine, greatest Scottish actor of all time. Damn it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, any other any criticism of our thoughts or opinions, remember, at Ben underscore EBRC. <laughs> Yeah, he's our complaints man. Yay. Or at Harper Milo, if you can find that account. Either way, it'll all get back to us eventually, and we'll respond to you within 12 to 14 business days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, we'll, or we'll send the Godfather after you. <laughs> <laughs> you got your plugs ready? I, I do. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ScottMcLeod1986. Uh, follow Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast at SB Rambling. Uh, we're on the th- all the same Android podcast sites that you can find Rogue Pains at, and we're also under the Rogue Pains banner, so you can find us on both feeds. Uh, recently, we kind of just did a bit of a catch up episode. Me and Paul haven't really seen each other since like mid December, so we got to record again. And we're firing ahead with our, uh, our kind of wrestling related content. We've got 
a review of the 1992 Royal Rumble. Almost actually a revisit because we reviewed it quite early on in our run as a podcast. So we're kind of revisiting it on 30 years on from when it first happened. We're actually recording tomorrow, which would be the 19th at time recording, which means we'll be recording the review of it 30 years to the day that the event happened, which uh, is something I figured out the other week. So it's a, that's pretty cool. And then after that, we're going to have some impact stuff, Frasier and some other ideas we've got kind of in the works. Uh, here at Rogue Opinions, it's pretty quiet at the minute, other than this, what I'm doing with Carl. But uh, over on ESSR, Eat, Sleep, 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 on the YouTube channel coming out in the next week or so, would be Quiz Showdown X8, the uh, the Royal Rumble quiz. It's an annual quiz we kind of have uh, over there. And I managed to convince Nathan Greenway to fill in a spot uh, on that show. How does Nathan do? Mr. doesn't really watch much of any wrestling at the minute. Does he do better than you think he would? Or does he perform just as you'd expect? You'll have to tune in to find out. <laughs> I'm sure he'll do admirably. Yeah. Uh, the next quiz showdown, which is coming in February, we're doing a wrestling version of The Chase, and you'll never guess who The Chaser is. Gay? Bingo. <laughs> yeah, so look forward to that. Check out the Rumble quiz when it comes out, because for some reason, even though I didn't know how to fix it or notice it when I was recording it, my, my camera goes black and white for two for two rounds, so I look like I'm in the NWO. <laughs> <laughs> This quiz show has been sponsored by the New World Order. <laughs> <laughs> what you got going on, Carl? Well, you can find the brand at rogue underscore opinions on Twitter and Instagram. You can check out our website uh, at rogueopinions20.wordpress.com uh, and you can find me at Carlos underscore Eight Carlos, what is my flipping Twitter handle? <laughs> See, I always I mean it that complicated. Carlos eighty, um, no, is it Carlos underscore fire eighty? <laughs> I've got that much to remember, Scott. I can't do it. I'm forty two. I got. I can barely remember why I just walked into the kitchen. <laughs> like, I don't know what a bloody Twitter handle is. What are you doing recording the podcast in the kitchen for? <laughs> <laughs> It's Carlos underscore fire 18. That's it. I knew what it was. I know what I'm doing. Jesus. And you can also find uh, other account at um, Team Godfather at Pudding Ain't Easy. So check out. So check out that um, Twitter handle as well. And uh, yeah, you can find a podcast um, done recently with Sam Carmichael, another Buffy podcast where we talk about um, season one finale, uh, Prophecy Girl, um, that should be out either when this goes out or pretty soon after. So keep a lookout for that. I'm talking about things that are 30 years old. Buffy is 25 years since its first episode air. And I was alive for both Royal Rumble 1992 and for the original airing of Buffy. So that just shows you how bloody old I am. I was alive for one of those things happening. Guess which one? Buffy, and you're probably only just about born. And I, see, I wasn't already just about born. I'd been a, alive for a good twelve years by the time Royal Rumble '92 came along. Should get Carl and Paul on a podcast together because Paul likes bitching about 
how old he is. And, like, and I try to tell him, like, oh, you were born this day. I was this old when that happened. Like, oh, it's not <laughs> my fault. It's I don't control time. Time is a thing. It happens. I mean, I could have flashbacks like the bloody Eternals. I could have been around that long. <laughs> but, <laughs> but also, um, hopefully Guns and Devils will return. Um, but thanks to Arsenal getting all their games postponed because they've got a couple of injuries. Um, yeah, we've got um, not a lot to talk about, apart from Man United being crap, which we're getting bored of. So uh, as soon as Arsenal play another game of football, we'll be bringing that podcast back. Cool. And that is it for now. All right. So I think we've learned today, Carol, that not only is podcasting not easy, but remembering your own Twitter handle is not easy either. Yeah. And being an old bugger isn't easy either. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There's a lot of things in life that are not easy, but we always got to remember that this is the way. It really is. Bye. Bye-bye. Ten, nine, eight.